Hi, and welcome back to 41,000 Feet and Thriving. Virginia here. And today I get the pleasure of having my first date with someone that I've heard so much about and that I've heard nothing but good things of. I drool over her food post and she just seems lovely. So uh, let me introduce you to Miss Madison Pat. Hi. Thank you so much for that intro. I'm really excited to be here, especially as a private chef. I've been doing that for years now and most recently a corporate flight attendant. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive in. And I should also note that you had a long day yesterday. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you're still here. Oh, yeah. I'm used to the 20-hour days. I've even had 24-plus hour days in my job. And it comes with the territory of being a private chef. And it also comes with the territory of being a corporate flight attendant. Fun fact. Yeah, they should really put that like disclaimer in bold mm-hmm. red in asterisk at the top of every like flight attendant private chef interview or like in application. Sorry. Like really like. Some days you might have to work the more than humanly possible and just push through it. 100%. And you're just going to keep going. You know what? When the pilots land the airplane, you know, they might get to nap for a few hours at the FBO. There's a nap room or maybe there's some mm-hmm. sort of crew rest situation. As a corporate flight attendant, you land, boom, you're off in the world, especially if you have a tight turn, you're running back to the grocery store, you're you're figuring out catering. Yep. It's nonstop. But I'm just yes. one of those crazy people, and I think you are too, that loves it. So here we are. No way, no way. I think love is a stretch. It's a love-hate relationship. Like, it is a relationship. It's like sometimes you're just like, oh my God, I'm thriving. Like you were mm-hmm. saying, you had a- adrenaline last night. Like, and sometimes so it is like that. But then other times you're just like, I don't know if I can do this today. Oh, I, yeah. I, I do not. At least I do. I get that way. I think I get worried about my own personal health and wellness. And being in this fast-paced, high-stress environment has actually pushed me to do more research and live differently so I can see my own personal health and wellness and not feel like a sack of potatoes when I get that <laughs> one, two, oh my three gosh. days off. You know what I mean? I definitely need to learn from you because it literally just took me three days to recover from 25 days on the road. But that's normal. And it took me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that's so there's not like a magic cure for that. Okay. No, but I, I do have some tips and tricks for sure. I am my own guinea pig. I love that so much. Yeah, I definitely have things that I usually am like, yeah, this will help. This will help. This time, I don't know if it's just like I'm really feeling closer to 29 and that's really like not helping or what it what's going on. But something's just not bouncing back as quick as I used to in my body, <laughs> my body and my brain and yeah. my physical well-being. Like my nephew was playing on the floor today. And he was like, Chi-Chi, that's what he calls me. He's like, Chi-Chi, do this. And it was like this pretzel maneuver with his legs. And he was like, we're playing the mimic game, you know. And I was like, Chi-Chi cannot. You cannot do that. Not not, not. I will be going to like, no, I will be going to the chiropractor for a month to recover. (laughs) I think it just won't happen. But sorry. No, no, it just actually reminded me. I don't know if you know this, but I was really sick for the majority of my 20s. No. Yeah. And so when I was in my early 20s, I had just come out of culinary studies at NYU. I had had an amazing opportunity to study in Rome and Hong Kong and travel, learn about food. And I was ready to jump into the industry, not as a chef. I thought I would go into corporate. I thought I would work in a test kitchen. Maybe I'd work for a big company like Pepsi. And that's just not what happened. I got bit by a tick and had a horrendous case of Lyme disease that oh my god kicked me out of commission. I at sometimes couldn't read, walk, write, speak. I remember I was sleeping in my mom's bed, you know, for months on end because I just couldn't get up. It was horrible, but I oh my was able to completely fully recover from that. And I actually credit it to 
a lot of just personal wellness things sure. that I've learned like from doctors, from medical professionals, from nutritionists. So I actually carry some of those, even though I, I'm completely healthy today, I take some of those tips and tricks with me when I fly, when I travel for work, when I have a big day and it completely resets my body. Wow. Would def- I, I'm so sorry to hear that, but it's so great. I think sometimes those experiences really teach us, you know, kumbaya, the whole meaning of life, yeah. you know, and not, not to be cheesy at all, but because it's not cheesy, it's your life that mm-hmm. gets questioned for a moment. And I think that really makes you reflect. And I mean, I, I, you know, anyone that's listened knows that I just went through something with my mom and my mom is ill and it was touch and go for months. And it was terrible. And it made all of us, and I'm sure I know her, rethink our whole way of being and our whole health and wellness. And yes, absolutely. And so, but sometimes, although those are so such terrible memories and moments, I think that those can really help put life into perspective. Absolutely. You know? They make us stronger, you know? Absolutely. And now I feel like, oh, you were sick for six plus, seven plus years in your 20s. Well, if you have one 20-hour day and you take a few green juices with you, some juice shots, get a little matcha going, and you have your energy, that's a gift, number one in itself. Be grateful that you can do that. Number two, like how amazing is it that we have these bodies that can react to really healthy ingredients and you know, we all we all know what it, it's like to be on the road and, and working an intense day, not eating properly. And we know what it's like to be able to get whatever it is for you. Maybe for you, it's your coffee. Maybe for some people, it's their green tea. Whatever you can do for your body to keep you going in, in a healthy and, and, and most sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, such a wonderful intro to who you are in a really different way than what we normally do, but I loved it. But in a more traditional way. Totally. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a chef, how you got interested into food, and then later on, how now you're coming into aviation and possibly more, I don't know. But just share with us, if you will. Absolutely. So I've always loved to cook, and I have always loved to eat, and... I remember I was in my first semester at university and I was in a liberal arts track. And I thought to myself, ooh, I'm wasting money here. I need to make sure that whatever I'm studying is going to 100% turn a profit down the road. What is that? And the one thing I could not stop thinking about was food and I thought, great, I'm going to learn as much about food as possible. I'm going to receive culinary training. I'm going to travel. I'm going to study abroad. I'm going to be a sponge. And when I graduate, I'll get a job, like I said, potentially at a company like Pepsi or, you know, in a, in a test kitchen. And again, I, I got sick and that didn't happen. But because I got sick, the first thing that I started doing when I was feeling better was cooking for other people for extra money. Mm. And that pretty much launched my career as a chef. And word spreads. I grew my business in that direction. And then along the way, there was, you know, a friend and an individual that came into my life and they had had extensive experience in private aviation and said, hey, this should be something that you should consider. And next thing I know, I'm in flight safety. I'm getting all trained up. And it, it's been an amazing ride since, especially meeting incredible jet chefs like yourself, like Jamie. I, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow in my career. And, you know, being a corporate flight attendant is just one extra piece of that. And then, you know, also going down the road of learning more about wine and, my, my goal is not to go all the way and become some super high-level sommelier, but I want to receive enough training that on board 
I can call myself a sommelier or in a client's home, I can comfortably call myself a sommelier. So it's another piece I'm trying to add in as well. At the moment, it's very early days, very early stages, <laughs> but I, I, I'm definitely going down that road too. I love that because I've gotten so many books on becoming a sommelier and I I cannot absorb as much, obviously, from just a book, but I, I've always been very interested in it. And I have a friend of a friend that introduced us and he, him and his family are in the Monterey area and his mom is a chef and they're, I think his dad is the sommelier in the family. And they're just like a well of knowledge and just so fun to talk to. And you go over to the house and they just pour you wine and, you know, you go into a restaurant that they're working at or that they own it. It's just, it's so fun. So I love that you're trying to bring that into in-flight because I think we, you know, a lot of us, if we've done like a fine dining experience in-flight, which I think Absolutely. most of us have, we do that pairing, you know, and you're Googling or you're talking to someone or going into a restaurant or whatever it might be. And, you know, you kind of get the spiel from them. And then you try to repeat it, and that's cool. But it would be really fun to actually know what you're talking about and be able Tell to them. answer questions as they ask you instead of being like, let me go talk to my friend Google Insight, and I'll be right back. <laughs> Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. The other thing is when I work with my clients across the board, every single one of them has an extensive wine collection. And you know, I'm sometimes carrying bottles like a baby, you know, of 1982 Chateau Margaux or whatever it is, 2001 Gaia. And I'm like, did I hurt her? Did I, you know, <laughs> is That's she okay? I, I need my wines too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to make sure that if I'm delivering us, I know in terms of food and culinary, everything I deliver is, you know, out of this world, 100%. And I thought to myself, you know, what's the future of that culinary professional in the, the the modern day estate, essentially? And I was like, oh, well, I feel like that's the person that knows a ton about food and cook, but also the person that can be your flight attendant if needed or knows about aviation and also the person who knows about wine. You know, how many different hats can we wear and, and be these culinary directors for, for our clients? Yes, I definitely love to talk about the different hats we wear. And that's kind of a theme on the podcast and actually the starting bud of like what my idea was for this and why I get to talk to so many different areas in the field or even outside of the field. And that continues to grow and grow and grow is, you know, I want to bring people in from like five star hotels. And I like on an episode with Lacey, I talked about how I kind of want to get like a maid from a hotel on and talk to them totally. about how they do bed corners and things that they do and also things they've seen, which I think would be fascinating. It's a secret obsession of mine that I just need to know. But I love that you're collecting these different hats and that you're 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 going about it in such a fun way and you're just following your own rhythm, totally. which I'm always a fan of. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any traditional route. I think when there's a path that's set in front of you and then you just follow the path, that's not you. And one thing that was interesting for me to find out, and this is true in the private chef world, especially true in, in in private aviation, where you're so close to the client, that connection that you have with, you know, your primary, your principal, and the vibe is everything, mm -hmm. you know? And I just think, yeah. you know, what can I do to really support these people? I love that. I just had a meeting with two people in aviation that I respect a lot. And it was a business meeting, obviously. We were talking about mutual respect and <laughs> appreciation as a flight attendant and re our relationship with the pilot and with the client. And there was this kind of topic that came up and they wanted my honest opinion and my honest feedback. So I gave it, which I mean, that might be controversial, but it was about like feeding the pilots in flight and what that looks like as a private chef. For me, I'm, you know, self-taught, I'm, but I am chefing on board. Like everything is raw on board. I'm creating it from ground zero to just like you do. And that is way different than using a caterer or sourcing from a restaurant because it's not just like, here you go, or someone's hungry and you're just like, okay, let me press reheat real quick. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, it's, it's very different. And so they were like, okay, so what, if, what do meals on board look like for your pilots? And I was like, well, I'll feed my principal 
once on an eight-hour flight, and then he'll go to sleep. Sometimes twice. Maybe he'll wake up and have breakfast. Maybe. But sometimes they just want to sleep the whole time. I fed them five times on an eight-hour flight. Oh, yeah. I fed them dinner. I fed them dessert. Then they needed a snack. Then they wanted like a lunchy breakfast thing. And then right before we landed, they wanted an espresso and like a cookie. And, you know, and so it's like, I don't sit down on those flights. And they were like, wait, so like how, when do you rest? And I was like, I don't. Like I'm up working because you're cooking that much. You're cooking. And then you're doing the dishes. Yes. Then, you know, maybe your principal needs something. So then you're tending to that. Then you're putting everything away and, you know, shining the dishes and doing all of that. Then you're like cleaning your workspace and then you're prepping something that they might want later that you can save your time, yourself time with now because you only have one burner. But you get my thought process. Totally. I'm going really in depth into it. And they were like, so these pilots are up there asking for like this dish that you had planned for the client and you're going back and making it from scratch. And I was like, well, yeah, that's like what I do. And they were like, no, like, let's make this easier for you so you can sit down for more than 10 minutes for an eight hour, 10 hour flight. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. What nice support you offer. Totally. I mean, you know, but I also see it from you know the, the pilot's perspective, too. You know, if I was a, a principal and I owned an aircraft, I would be like, pads can have whatever they want they're getting me from point a to point b i want to be healthy absolutely feel good but i also do think there's a fine line right there's a fine line yes it's this of course if i have time i want to give this pilot whatever he wants whatever they want but you know it's also like but if it's coming at the sake of your rest i think that was kind of the discussion of like okay you're working these long days too and you're not getting rest they're sitting up there you know there, there needs to be an in-between where, okay, one meal you make from scratch, the snacks maybe pre-buy or something, yeah. pre-make. And, you know, and I've done that, but I just, you know, it, you want to impress people and you want to give them the full package. And I definitely am like that as well. What what relationship have you learned with your pilots that you worked with? Well, one of the, the biggest things I've learned is to bring pre-packaged <laughs> you're like virginia this is old news <laughs> and and but i but i i do things i don't know if you ever watched i think it, the show on food network was semi homemade with sandra lee and i think it was food network no there's a show on food network i believe it's called semi homemade with sandra lee and she would make these incredible feasts from boxed cake mixes and crumbled up Ritz crackers, and it would look crazy and cool. I think when we're talking about hospitality, especially when you're stuck in a tin can at 45,000 feet, a lot of it's about presentation. And so I just had yes. a trip recently, and what I did is I we had a really tight turn, and I decided to work with a local chef to get me ingredients specifically from different regions of Japan flown into the middle of the United States for this crazy omakase experience. Cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was awesome. That's amazing. I actually, I got the principal a bottle of soy sauce that was aged 30 years and is one of the last, from one of the last 20 bottles of the soy sauce in the world that will ever exist ever again like it was it was really cool but oh my gosh what did I, he know he, did he know he, he knew i i presented it as okay. a full high level omakase but for the pilots what i did is i worked with this chef on the ground to create these custom bento boxes for the pilot mm-hmm. so they could live in a cooler in the crew rest because i was working in an off gallery and, you know, when I had a free moment, one, two hours after we hit 10,000, boom, those got pushed back. And then maybe I microwaved a little bit of the gourmet miso soup for the pilots in little cups and push those to the push those to the front. And, and there you go. I Amazing. Mean, and, and so the pilots still had this really cool experience. They still had high quality food that was made with integrity and a story, but I wasn't cooking any of it. <laughs> I That's think. amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you can weave in storytelling. And and I also think Ooh. a lot of your, your energy doesn't have to be about the cooking. 
it can be about the sourcing. And and I also learned this from studying a lot of different ways of eating and serving food that you'll find in regions of Asia, for example. If you go to Tokyo and you go to some markets there or department stores, you'll see these really expensive like mini square watermelons, right? And you're like, oh yeah, it's just a watermelon. You taste oh, the watermelon, that's an amazing watermelon, right? So yeah. there can be a lot of really good stuff in a very single ingredient, whether it's a story, whether it is how it's grown, where it's grown, it could be a flavor profile. So when I'm serving in that manner, especially when you're you're stuck at 45,000 feet, leaning on those moments and those ingredients to save you time, I think is everything. I love that. I think that's so true. I recently worked for a client where I didn't know this going into it, but I was so thankful that I I think that we have that mentality of like, for me, it's on a smaller scale of like going and finding a local farmer's market and going to a fishmonger and going to like a boulangerie and, you know, going to these separate stops and doing your research and knowing which ones you think are going to be the best for what you're doing. And not knowing that that's actually what he really wanted was someone that was going to do that instead of doing a one-stop shop at a supermarket. Absolutely. Which also, we definitely have to do that sometimes because sometimes locations just don't allow you to fly in special soy sauce or go to a farmer's market or time permitting. You don't have that, but that's what he wanted. And so when I like presented things like and or put on the menu, like what bakery the bread was from or, you know, things like that, it was like it really caught his eye and you know, he really savored those ingredients like the heirloom tomatoes or like the fish that was caught that morning or the scallops that I shucked on board or yeah. whatever it might have been. Like it was really much more like it had, I like what you said, it had a story. So and they're able to be like, wow, this person was thinking about me and what they were going to serve me way before this flight. Absolutely. Instead of plating it and reheating it right there and just being like, here you go. Which can also be very memorable as well. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But I think it's very fun to be able to add to that. And I really like how you put that. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I like to go into each opportunity, whether it's a private chef client on land or a client in the air. I like to go in and say, okay, how can I make this person's day really special? And what do I know ahead of time that can help me get to that point? And again, we don't always have a week to plan something. But I think there are little things you can do in the moment that can get you there. I think full stop, if you're in any incredible exotic location, and let's just say you're just supposed to get catering or catering's already organized for you, just grab a cute little bottle of honey that you see at a specialty store and mm-hmm. you know, make sure that honey is part of the presentation. That's just like one little thing you can do. And again, not all principals want a chef on board. Not all principals are going to have cooking that happens within the aircraft. And But as mm-hmm. a corporate flight attendant, you can still go the extra mile in a way that's still understated, still chic, and gets the job done. Oh my gosh, you need your own TED talk. It's just like music to my ears. It's so good. Like, I think that, you know, then you're slipping into hospitality. Like, this totally. stuff is because at the end of the day, that's why we do what we do is the whole hospitality aspect. I think both as flight attendants and I think also as chefs, because like you want to see those people happy eating your food. You want to see those flavors burst in their mouth and for them to be like, whoa, I get it now, or just thankful or just nourished, whatever it might be. There's a lot of different reasons that we cook and chef. Like there's a lot of different days and, you know, sometimes your client is fasting or on a cleanse and you're making juices and you're making salads and you're doing tuna that is plain as day. But if you can find a way, and this is where our hospitality kicks in, if you can find a way to make that special for them or to slip in something that means something to them that's going to make that memory like that's what we live for I think as flight attendants like I know I love hospitality whether it be for a client whether it be for a friend whether it be for you know at coffee shops I love to ask people how they're doing instead like the baristas instead of 
them asking their 200th customer that day, like how they're doing and getting a superficial answer. It's like, totally. what are they doing? And it always catches them off guard. They're like, so I think that's why we do what what we do is we get enjoyment. I think Jamie said it. It's kind of like a a selfish pleasure because we get fulfilled by fulfilling these things that are impossible or unpredictable or a surprise or whatever it might be. Absolutely. And it's really rewarding for us. You know, I recently had an experience where I was working with a principal and I knew on board that they liked mint tea and there are Mm. packets of mint tea everywhere on board, but I decided to bring fresh mint leaves and serve them fresh mint tea. I didn't even tell them. I just put the cup down that with the mint leaves that were steeped in a really proper way, all the little accoutrements they wanted, and it was a huge, huge success. And again, I think that's another example of something little that can really Mm -hmm. make someone smile. And I don't know. I I, I love making people happy. Do you like making people happy? (laughs) I do. In fact, almost to a bad point where I think I talk a little too much in therapy, (laughs) (laughs) like that I need to work on being okay if I cannot make someone happy. Because occasionally, this is this weird thing in life, you don't always like, you can't always please everyone. Like, I am for sure someone that loves to make people happy. I am also a people pleaser. I don't know if they go hand in hand. But I feel like they definitely kind of sort of do. And yeah, I, I, for example, it will keep me up at night if I know that someone was not fulfilled with like my answer or yeah. something that I did for them. Like even the pilots, if I did something and they weren't like, oh, my God, that was amazing. I criticize myself totally all night and I'm like. What could I have done better in that dish? Maybe it was the temperature. Maybe it was the way I presented the napkin. Maybe it was that I didn't come collect the dishes quick enough. Did I put enough salt on there? Totally. Oh, my gosh. I eat myself alive. You know, we we all do. I've actually found a really good trick personally that helps me circumvent that. So whenever there's a situation that arrives with a client and they're not happy with something and they share that with me. Because again, we're human, we're not perfect. And you could take a Michelin star chef from the best Uh restaurant in the world. What people don't know is those chefs work tirelessly to perfect those recipes that they then serve to guests. They don't just show up and cook random things every day. So even if you put that chef in the shoes of a private chef that's starting from scratch every single day, they're they're gonna mess up too. You know, it, it happens across the board. But what helps me is when I receive a piece of feedback or the second I see, oh, that was something that didn't quite go right, I say thank you. If Mm -hmm. not, just to, I try and say it to the client, you know, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. I also say it to myself, thank you. You now know this. You've learned something. You've grown a bit. And I think giving yourself that that grace and thanks, but also sharing the words thank you it, it avoids any moment where the client would feel uncomfortable coming to you again. You know, I want mm-hmm. my clients to tell me over and over and over again what they like, what they what they don't like, so I can be my best self for them. I love that. It's so much better than saying like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Totally. Like, because you don't know. Like, I, I have a principal that I work for at the moment where he has very particular taste buds and we have a list of all the things and I follow that list. But occasionally like things will either surprise us and there will be something new on the list that I don't know about yet. Or there's just a preference in there that hasn't hit the mat yet with any of us. And, you know, at first I was like, oh my God, he hated it. You know, you really tear yourself up. I love this perspective of being like, no, I learned something new today. Yeah. And that's all I can do because I'm human. And I have had to have that discussion with myself a lot lately as I've been challenging myself more and more to elevate my food and elevate for this one particular client. And it can be very daunting on yourself. And, you know, like every other day, sometimes I will call a friend and be like, I think I need to quit. I can't do this anymore. And they'll be like, 
okay, just chill. What went wrong? And I'll tell them. And it wasn't anything. It was like nothing. It was minuscule. And yeah. they're like, you're fine. You're 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 good. Take a deep breath. Like, relax. You're good. And I think I, I just really find your perspective very refreshing because, A, you're experienced, so you know. And so you're speaking from experience. Absolutely. And B, it's just, it's a mindset shift, which that's all you have to do is you have to start, you know, telling yourself, okay, I just learned something new. And now I get to go forward knowing that yeah. and be better. But I also I really think love that. it's about understanding boundaries to what what yeah. your personal boundaries are. Oof. For example, know that, you know, I'm someone that's not going to thrive in an environment where there's zero communication. And, mm-hmm. and there's many of those environments out there where you're just told to show up, do your job. And if you do one thing wrong, they're not going to let you know, but they just won't ask you back. And yeah. For, there are some people that are totally cool with those environments, works for them. And again, they can come up from time to time, from time to time. But I know for myself, that's just not my environment. So I would not thrive in that. No. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm here to grow. I'm here to learn. I'm here to be, you know, the the right hand for all things culinary for my clients. And I can only do that if I have feedback from the principals. From the house managers, the assistants, the pilot, anyone who's involved. Yes. I I think that's so interesting as well. And I think that you and I share that very similar concept of I want to get better. Yeah. And so I definitely have had to work on that shift of like the criticism is good. Like that makes me better. And sometimes it's not even criticism. It really is just a preference. And again, how are you to know? And now you've learned something new. And probably won't do it again for that person I yeah, exactly but or you uh, learn to ask actually have a, more questions up front about what you're yeah. walking into and I think that sometimes in our industry like when I got on this plane recently with a principal everyone was like oh my god be careful he don't talk to him too much he's super private don't talk to him don't talk to him don't talk to him and was like keep door closed like don't come to him like and I getting on board, I was like, you know, like, okay. My palms were sweating and I was just like, I don't know what to expect. Is this guy like gonna be so mean that he doesn't want does he even want me here? Like, why am I here? Dude, this guy got on. He was the nicest guy ever. <laughs> and these people just got in my head. And then I started cooking for him and I worked with him for a while. And he was so nice. He has his preferences and stuff, as we all do, and as all of our clients do. And what I've learned is like everyone was like, don't talk to him. Don't ask him questions. He likes this. He likes this. Well, they're, they weren't exactly correct because they haven't flown him as a flight attendant slash cooking for him as a chef. Totally. And so I started asking him questions. Oof. So then I would be the one that was like telling them like, hey, by the way, he told me he likes this. And they were like, they'd be like, wait, how, how do you know that? Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, my God, I talked to him. We were in a metal tube for 12 hours and I dared. <laughs> I wanted to do something right. So I went for it. Totally. I mean, that it's also it, there's there's a really beautiful thing there because I think sometimes there's this feeling that there's a hard wall of separation between staff and the principals. There's professional boundaries, 100 percent. Yeah. But there's no brick wall. And yeah, when you operate from a place of humanity and a place of understanding and care and kindness, chances are you're just going to receive that back. Well, those are some really truthful words there. You really need your own TED Talk. Uh, I think that or a podcast, you just need to get on it because I could listen to this all day. more hours in the day, please. I know. I haven't had an episode for like, I think two or three weeks. I can't remember. Because... This, I don't know about, I think you, because you just had a 20-hour day. It is a busy season right now. Like, we are picking up and we are going full force. I am exhausted and I am having trouble finding time to, like, we were talking about expenses. And that's why we decided on our time tonight. And by the way, you've motivated me and I've laid out my expenses for after this. That is my project. I'm committed now. And I'm putting it on here so that I stay committed. Yeah. But... I think that it, I, we really are gearing up for a busy season. And for some reason, 
it seems busier than the last few years. And I don't know if that's just COVID or what, but all of a sudden planes are flying like crazy. People are wanting all these things and we're going everywhere. It's not just like, okay, we're going to New York. We're going to Florida. It's like, we're going to go to Europe and we're going to stop at six places. Then we're going to go to Singapore. Then we're going to go here. And it's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand when I'm supposed to like pay rent slash be at the house that I pay rent for. (laughs) Very strange. I've given up on on rent. That's something we've spoken about. I think also, I mean, I'm I feel I'm 32, but I still feel, you know, like I'm really, really young in my career. And like this is the perfect time not to have a lease. So I've been mm-hmm. hopping around from Airbnb to corporate housing to all different modes. I've probably lived in 17 different places over the course wow. of the last 14 months, maybe more. And I love it. It's great. But again, you have to be kind of weird to, to like it. <laughs> Let's be real. Like how many bags or boxes are you traveling with? Oh, it's like what's good. happening here? I'm I'm so oh, intrigued. Like, I have is this, a like, system. Actual move? I'm sure you do. I'm positive and I'm fascinated. Okay, let me tell you my system. So I have my main suitcase, which is a trunk. Now I like it better than like the your average large size, you know, luggage checked luggage because the trunk it's narrow. You can fit it in the car, or you can fit it, you know, in a cute corner of your hotel room. It doesn't take up a lot I'm of space. Need, I need to know: is this like a Harry Potter trunk, like like an actual no. trunk? So there's 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 trunk luggage that you can Google. So like an example, I don't have one; they're out of my budget at this moment in time. But Rimawa makes these really nice trunks. Sure. So I oh, go for the economy oh. version. There's actually a company called Bricks. Economy. Yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> there's a com- there's a company called Bricks. That is, it's an Italian brand. I want to start referring to everything as that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I went out to lunch today. I went to Olive Garden. It's the economy version. Yeah, of exactly. <laughs> no, but there's this company called Brit. Yeah, it's B R I C, and it's an Italian company, and they have different lines of luggage. And the one I use is my trunk. I got on sale. They have sales all the time, all over the place, which is great. You're really trying to sell this. Do, oh, yeah. you, do you get a discount if you sell more? I mean, I should be an influencer, quit my job today. Get- you really should. No, but I be saw, like a you know, chef but, bay. But <laughs> no, but it's really important. Like the luggage you, you carry is so important for this whole system. So I have my trunk and then I have my carry on and then a soft duffel. And all my clothes wow. fit into those three places. For your whole life. My, for your whole life. My entire life. And then I also have these cooler bags that maybe you would see catering delivered in. And I got them for Amazon. Oh, that maybe, maybe, Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're, they're, I got them off Amazon. You can get a pack of six, I think, for 20 bucks. And they're all. Oh, you actually bought them? Yeah. I thought you were being like, I got them from catering. No, 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 no. I bought them. And then the rest of my stuff is organized into, like, Bag Smart makes these compression packing cubes and they make toiletry bags all of that goes into the, the cooler bag and yes. that all fits in my car i'm writing down so many of your recommendations yeah and 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 that and and then of course i have like a little cooler bag that holds my kitchen equipment and i carry around with me my Vitamix, which should be back there i have an always pan and which I love, and I have a rice cooker. And I love that so much. That, that's, is that's, the rice cooker because it's your personal preference to have rice? It's my per. So you can make anything in a rice cooker. And I just taught at community college, Jamie, yesterday, and I was talking about cooking in a rice cooker. You can make I love a cake. That. You can make a frittata. You can make soup. You can make wow. oatmeal. And it's so nice to be able to see this is your TikTok in. Yeah. This is like your thing is you're going to be the rice cooker chef <laughs> and it's just going to happen. And then you'll get discounts with Bag Smart and Brick. And I've, I'll be your PR person because Done. I came up with the whole idea. 
and it'll be amazing. I but honestly, I have no shame in dropping these names and giving me you know a brand <laughs> shout out be because, because because you know what they do a good job and they make my life so much easier. You know, if I just Absolutely. if I just followed the mass trend of what to buy to need to carry on a trip, I I I'd be struggling. You know, I definitely don't do that. I someone recently recommended or was like, Virginia, you should do a podcast episode about what you pack in your suitcase. You should. You should. No, 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 no. Because (laughs) I am not a normal flight attendant. I don't have a system. I don't take out my clothes and wash them like every trip immediately. Like, I mean, I do wash them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a sicko. But like, I don't have a system. I do not have a system. And like my bag, it, for example, I think you and I were talking this day. I had to carry on flowers the other day and bless my client that got me these flowers. And so I re- he got them the night before I commuted home to Seattle. And I was like, they are so gorgeous. You know, they costed at least $200. And I was like, I want these flowers in my house. I have worked for them. Yeah. Carried them on. So I had to keep my bag like slightly zippered open to like have them on the side. I made it all the way home to Seattle. And I was getting off the jetway, the jet bridge, and there was a bump that I didn't see. And the flowers in my bag went flying. And because my bag was partially zippered open, it went zippered open and everything came out. And it was the end of my like 25 day trip. I was exhausted. I am not ashamed of it, but maybe I am a little bit. I did not organize my bag that morning. I shoved iPhone chargers in there like I didn't close my skincare bag there's no i like literally use like little mementos that i've collected over the years like an asop bag to like put my skincare in and then i use like a little amenity bag from a first class trip to put like my chargers totally (laughs) you know we we do do what we can but i'm so not organized like i think jamie did do a packing tutorial once and i was like and also controversial opinion. I don't use packing cubes. I've tried it. I think they're a waste of space. I think you cannot fit as much in. So I, opinion. I, I actually do agree with you. My biggest thing but, is that if you're doing carry on and you have to open your suitcase and you're going through security and you're, awkward. you know, it's just like, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole other thing. And I'm someone who's always taking yes. things out of my carry on and I'm always taking things out of my suitcase. And also packing for different climates. And I see, feel never like the, been good packing, at that either. the packing cubes. So winter goes in this section. Oh, see, you've Summer changed. Goes. You've converted. So you started off being like, I agree with you, but you still do it. I still do it. But it, it, it's, it's, see, that's it's, different. it's helpful for my mental health to do it. But I do pull. That's why I did, tried it too, was because I was like, I'm organized at home. Why am I not organized? On, but anyway. Why am I not organized in my suitcase when this is my profession? I cannot do it. I yeah, I will do a tutorial, but it's not it's not gonna be cute. No one's gonna learn anything. They're gonna judge. You know what also saves me? Air tags. I've recently gotten into the yes. Apple air tags and I put one I on my passport. This. I put one in my carry-on. I put one in my tax luggage. And you know what I do for the F for FBO? I put air you tags put it on your fridge in, the, bag? in the fridge bags for the FBOs, and I know exactly this where they are at all times. You know what you can also do for your fridge bags for the FBO? You can put a little thermometer in there. I have done this, and, and there's because ther- I'm paranoid. Mm-hmm. Paranoid. Yeah. That, that actually, I have started doing that like on every overnight. Yeah, because. I am paranoid, especially if you have like meat in there or dairy or whatever. (laughs) Another thing that I do, which I don't know if this is right or wrong. You'll probably correct me and please do. I'll learn. I sometimes keep, because I'm paranoid, I keep a bag of ice in my cooler bag with the fish. And then it tells me if it's in the fridge, if it's completely melted. Oh, that's actually really smart. I But then I still feel okay about it because I know it was cold enough. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's really smart. I haven't done that, but I feel like I should start to yeah. do that. I just like get too worked up about it. And I even before like just 
I'm paranoid and I'm just like an overthinker to the max. Like, like I said, I will stay up late at night thinking about something and it's, it's something I, I have to work on. But I, I, I have thrown out like a fish that I was planning on cooking because I thought perhaps maybe it sat out for like a minute too long. Not really. But yeah, yeah there was there was some scenario in my head where I was like, this fish is not good anymore. And it was totally fine. I guarantee you. But I am just like the safer, safe, not sorry kind of thing. Totally. I, I especially think, in flight. No, I think that's really fair. And one of the first things that you learn when you're becoming a chef is about herbs. And we all know if we let our herbs sit on the counter for 10 minutes versus 20 minutes, it makes a huge difference before going back in the fridge versus, you know, how long they're actually going to last in that fridge environment. And, you know, that's like cooking and storing your food 101. If that's happening to your plants, don't risk it with fish. The other thing, the other thing that I think is important to realize is that the principles we work with are eating at some of the best dining establishments yes. in the world. Now, these places are meticulous in how they store mm-hmm. and prep. It should be as close to that as we can get it on board. I love that. I recently had two of my pilots who I had just bought in all this beautiful fish and steak from Italy. And you know, had spent all day slaving over this, made sure to get iced for it as I ran around, like had my cooler bags, you know, lugging all of that in my Yeti, like all this stuff around Italy, just casually as it was also 95 degrees, sweating a lot. (laughs) And the hotel would not store the bags for me overnight. We were leaving in the morning. We were an hour from the airport. And I was like, I knew what this meant. I meant it meant that I was going to the airport that night and coming back. And then doing the same thing 10 hours later, heartbroken me. I was heartbroken. And the pilots were like down there having a drink and they were like, just put it in our fridges. We'll divide it up. It's a mini fridge. It's fine. We'll move the, you know, the champagne, the beers that are in there. It'll be totally great. And I was like, those fridges are meant for drink. They are not meant to keep fish and steak stable. Yeah. And they, they were literally arguing there with me. They were like, you do not need to go. You don't need to waste money on an Uber going to the airport. And I was like, it's not wasting money. Listen. It's saving foodborne illness for all of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would gladly put your steak in there and you can eat it tomorrow <laughs> if you would like. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how you feel. <laughs> it's oh. it's definitely something. I, I don't think everyone knows that, though. And also, one thing that people also don't understand I think a lot of people don't understand is that we are constantly having to shift yeah. temperature and our ingredients have to do the same. And it is, you know, a merry-go-round, if not a roller coaster for what we're cooking and what we're serving. Yeah. It's, it's, it's high anxiety. And, you know, even for those first few minutes where I'm on the aircraft just filling up the fridge, I'm like, this is not cold enough yet. This is not cold enough yet. And I'm just crossing my fingers that like we don't have to wait too much longer and things will just kick in. And especially there's two things I want to say here because I agree with that so much. And it's something that I think that we should talk about more is food safety on planes. Our yeah. 90% of our planes have chillers, not or fridges. Those are not fridges. Yeah. They are not going to keep your food at a food safe temperature and Produce, cool, fine. No harm, no foul. It might be not quite crispy cold, but it's not going to be harmed. Never, please never keep meat in the chiller. Like put it in a Yeti on ice. Put it in a fridge on ice or fridge bag on ice. Put it in your, even your ice bin. If that's your only option, put it Ziploc bags, several just to be safe so you don't have a smelly ice yeah. drawer, but put it in there. Something of the sorts. And then I can't remember what the other thing was. Gonna, oh, the other thing, be an advocate for yourself. I recently worked with pilots that did not get that I was an onboard chef, that did not get that I had raw meat, that I had raw fish, that I had I had sashimi. Like, they did not get it. And um, they wanted to wait an hour to turn on the plane. 
And I, we had already, it has normal fashion. I requested my fridge bags at the FBO, requested the ice. The ice hadn't come yet, but the fridge bags had. The FBO is a 15 minute drive from the plane. And so for 15 minutes, I was like, guys, you have to start the plane up. Like I literally have raw fish, like get the plane started. So you definitely just have to like explain to them because a lot of pilots, what I'm learning is they don't get that we are literally back there cooking raw fish, just like I mentioned earlier. I don't, you know, when I first started cooking for those pilots, I don't think they knew that things were coming to them that were 20 minutes ago completely unmade, you know? So definitely explain to them and just be calm, cool, and collected and be like, hey, by the way, like I have this on board and it means power. Like I need power. Yeah. So just be an advocate for yourself because it'll save you and your passengers and your pilots in the long run. And you know best and stick to your guns, you know? Absolutely. And I think gut is everything too, you know? And and I think pilots understand gut to a certain extent because we're all there and our gut is that we want to do a good job for the principal. And if they know and they see that honesty on your face that, hey, this is for the greater good of everyone on board. They they should know that yeah you know? that's definitely the and, goal and and I think if you if you think if you come from that place like I would absolutely hope. <laughs> I would hope there wouldn't be any hopefully pushback. and if so talk with your manager because that's not cool <laughs> you might you might you might you might, you might be on, on the wrong account <laughs> exactly or maybe they are yeah yeah ex- exactly. if they don't want to work with you exactly. like that maybe they're on the wrong account <laughs> yeah I mean I I also I also really think that. We are here to serve and we are here to make an incredible experience. And sometimes, you know, principals, I mean, their schedules are so back to back. Some of these individuals are way over scheduled. They're going from yes. meeting to meeting. And we are part of a team to support them. And sometimes it's just, it's not about, it's not about yeah. us, you know? And, and, you know, getting the fish into the fridge isn't about us and our egos as jet chefs. It's really about working together sure. as a team to get from point A to point B in a healthy and safe manner. Absolutely. And I think everyone can learn something from that. I I recently, actually just last night, had a conversation about this with some team members. And it was very much so a collaborative conversation because we're we're all new to working together. And it was, how can we be better as a team? And we really fleshed a lot of things out of like what wasn't working and how we could better support one another. And that was so helpful for not only my mental health, but also like now it will make us a better team. And I'm also not going to be holding that against X, Y, and Z. And so I think that being open and honest and communicative, especially in the chef's seat or if you are cooking on board, Pilots are not quite used to that yet in a lot of a lot of accounts, a lot of charters, whatever it is. Pilots are what I learned is yeah. that pilots are not used to that yet. They are used to seeing us reheat stuff or sourcing stuff from a restaurant and coming up and sitting with them for a few hours on the flight or whatever it might be. They're not aware of what we're starting to do on planes. And we have to educate them. Like it's not like a, oh my God, you don't know what I'm totally. doing. How dare you? It is literally yeah. just this collaborative thing of hey just so you want like get a glimpse this is what I'm doing back here and this is why I don't come sit down is because I literally don't have a second to sit down because there's always dishes to be done you know if they want three or four courses depending on the flight length like you're busy and then feeding you guys so you just have to really let you know talk it out with them and teach them that's kind of what I've learned recently and the first time I had that discussion with a pilot a few months ago that just had never seen someone cook on board, he went from only giving yeah. me an hour 15 at the plane to being like, oh, no, you need the full two hours, don't you? And I was like, yes, that's why yeah. I came and talked to you is because I've been doing an hour 15 this week. Really need the two hours. And, yeah. But his eyes were opened. like, oh, no. And so, sorry, long tangent, but... I think it's also our job, especially as this gets more popular in our field, to bring awareness to the pilots. And that way we don't get frustrated by them not knowing something that we haven't told them about. Absolutely. But I also think there's teachable moments on our side. Absolutely. Too. You know, we 
we're going to always do bring on new different technologies to cook with. Um, always and, get them cleared and, by your and maintenance I also person. Think always, 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 always check with your pilots, check with maintenance, check with whoever yes. you need to check with. Even if you've used, I don't care if you use the sous vide on a Falcon and now you're stepping onto a Gulf Stream, just Check. <laughs> I don't care if you're going from a F you know, like a four hundred to a six hundred. Like yes, just you know, if you're listening and you're new to cooking on board, if you're thinking about doing it, check with your maintenance, check with your pilots. Doesn't matter what plane you are, and doesn't matter if you did yeah. it yesterday on that one, and now you're doing a different one. Just check. And also, maybe coming up with a plan too if you're new to cooking on board about how to work with the oven. You know, find out what kind of oven you have on board ahead of time if you have an oven. That would be good to know because not all ovens are created equal. No. I'm actually at a point where I feel like I want to reach out to some of these companies that create these beautiful or even old school ovens that go onto aircraft. Please do. Like, hey, like, can we can we have a chat? You got time for a meeting? Uh, can can we can we just put together a PDF and I'll put it all together for you? Like, this is how you use the oven. There's 20% moisture in your oven versus other brands. And and I'm just going to submit it to every single, you know, corporate flight attendant out there. And it's a win-win. Like, I, I will do this, you know, and, and I really think it should be done because we get on there and there's no, it's not like you're opening, you know, what, what like a little mini oven for the first time and there's a little instruction manual. We don't have Never. And it's so often that we're, especially in this job, there are so many contractors that are going from aircraft, 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 aircraft. And I think this is a safety thing. Absolutely. You know? And if you're going to be cooking more, you know, it makes sense. Stemming off of what you said of have a plan, none of us want this to happen. None of us. However, think of scenarios that you don't want to happen that could happen when you are cooking on board. I don't really want to say it because I feel like that's bad juju, but you can imagine. (laughs) There's so many things that can happen, whether it be, so for example, knives. Let's go there first because that's the easy one. If it's turbulent, put your knife in a drawer, give it a second, put it away. I, yeah, we were talking about this because you texted me about my head injury. When I was flung during turbulence, when I got my head injury, I had a very sharp knife in my hand making a salad and I don't know how it happened, but it stayed on the counter. I don't remember that moment, but the knife stayed on the counter when Mm -hmm. it could have done many other things. And so now whenever we get even like a little bit of turbulence and it's not going directly away, I just stick my knife in in a drawer just until I feel comfortable because it's not worth it. Same thing with like if you're cooking something and it gets turbulent on board. If you have hot, even just hot water that is boiling that is extremely dangerous. Hot butter, if you're cooking steak, have an exit plan. Even if it means shoving it in a drawer for the, like, if things get bad, shove it in a drawer, clean the mess up later. Yeah. Or in the trash. I had a flight attendant tell me that was her safe place. As long as something's not going to burn, cool, works. And then the other one is know where your fire extinguishers are. Absolutely. So know where it all is, know just where it, in case. Know where yeah. everything is. And You know, sometimes I will tell my pilots, like, you know, if I'm cooking steak on board, I'll be like, hey, it might get a little smoky for a second as this cooks off. You know, I have all my air vents open, but just so you know, unless I call you, everything's cool. Like, everything's Gucci until it's not. Totally. But I'll let you know it's not. But just so that they don't get concerned. Because when you cook steak or when you're searing scallops, there's going to be smoke in the cabin just a little bit. So the more that you communicate with them of like, hey, just expect this so that they don't freak out and they don't think like go to the worst case scenario immediately, just let them know, you know? Absolutely. I also think this would be a really beautiful moment to start a WhatsApp group or some sort of hotline for jet chefs or flight attendants that are new to the space. And for someone can just type, hey, I'm doing this trip, my primary loves scallops i'm gonna be cooking live scallops on board and obviously how to cook a great scallop on the ground tips how do i do this yep on board yeah like what like do you have a recipe or oh my goodness my principal loves banana bread do you just have a good recipe for banana bread and i think that would just make everyone's lives easier if somehow we were able to figure out how to all connect and i think 
I think, again, as your PR manager, I think that you are going totally. to be the one that starts that. <laughs> shooting stuff out there. We'll talk Done. after about a game plan. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I love totally. that. And there's so much like Lauren Smith and I had an episode where we talked about that and talked about cooking steak and scallops and stuff on board where, you know, it was a tips and tricks of like, if you've never done this, A, be real careful. B, we're not advertising yeah. for you to do this. And C, open all your vents. Yeah. She taught me a new one of opening the accordion door just to get that air flowing. And I was just like, that Thank helps. Lauren. So anytime I'm even starting to cook steak now, I don't even wait for it to possibly get smoky. I just turn everything on. I feel way better about my life. And what I also learned recently is totally. you, can, you can do the same thing in the forward lab sink. If you're on a forward galley, you can turn that to where it's open. You can turn your kitchen sink open and it will suck the yeah, air. Oh, can. gosh. Saves you so much yeah. like sweating of like, oh, my gosh, yeah. there's smoke. So definitely would love a tips and tricks. But also... I wouldn't do really smoky things if you're not correct. Ooh, that's, that's a good point. The, so you know, I, I, going also, I also think that if yeah, exactly. And you want the clients' clothes to smell really good, and they're going to their fresh meeting. And I just, you know, I, I think it's funny cooking in it forward versus an aft is a completely different experience. I have only done an aft as a chef on board like twice. And I'm very thankful for that. That yeah. is not my bread and butter. Not about it. I'm perfectly content with my forward galley and being stuck up front pilots. I'm good with it. I'm I'm okay. See, I I don't mind an aft galley after having some experience yeah. because I know I feel like I now know how to prep yeah. for one. And I now know how to menu plan for one. And I also feel confident in my knowledge as a hmm. chef. Where if a client said, hey, like, we really would love steaks and I'm in an Afghali, I'd be like, sure, but this is what you're going to have to yeah, expect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you have anything that's going to be sensitive in so terms of, like, smart. clothing, you don't want to smell, you know, let's get you, like, a really nice bag to put it in that zippers up and we can put it in the crew rest wow, up front, yeah. you know? Um, Next level customer so service. I, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think there's definitely different ways to work around these situations, but I think it also learning how to say no to clients too and figuring out what the client wants ahead of what the client thinks they want is a whole other Always, always be thinking ahead. I love that so much. And I know we have to get you going because you've had an incredibly long two days and probably even longer week, I'm sure. But I did want to just close with Maybe if you have any advice for someone starting out as a chef in aviation or even better yet, maybe someone that's starting to toy with cooking on board, what would be a f- maybe like one or two little tidbits that you would say are your top advice for these people? I would say find your mentors and invest in yourself Ooh. and don't be afraid to ask questions. And there is really no stupid question when it's about safety. Ooh. And, you know, for for example, there were many things when I cooked on my first aft galley that I just didn't, there were questions I had and I just didn't have the answers. And so I menu planned according to what I knew from my past experience in private aviation and I knew it would work in that situation. And I didn't let my ego say, oh, okay, well, you know, my ego's here and it wants to do this crazy meal for this client, the first time I'm working for them. No, I pushed the ego aside. I pushed the chef aside and I said, okay, what's the best thing for this galley? You know, that that's, that's my little. I love there. that. I think you are just such like a knowledgeable person and you've done so much and you're always wanting to learn is what I'm catching. And I love that so much. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I've learned so much from talking with you in this hour. And I hope that people. <laughs> I've learned too. I, I learned something new every single day and I'm grateful. I for it. love that so much. And I can tell that you love it so much. <laughs> You're very genuine. And I am just so thankful that you were willing to come talk with me and willing to share a bit about your story and how you've come to be and 
the challenges that you faced and how you stayed positive. Like there, you were so refreshing to talk to. And I love that you're getting into aviation and that you're thriving in it and that you're really finding your groove and getting all these new opportunities that come with because you get into aviation and it really hooks into you and you want more. (laughs) Totally. And and as much as I've really learned from, you know, the individuals around me, too, who are just there, you know, to answer questions like Jamie, like yourself and. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for having these people come into my orbit. And if you don't have someone like that in your orbit and you're listening, go on Instagram, you know, check out everyone who's talking here. <laughs> we'll answer your DMs, you know, find, find Jamie at Flight Test. I hope like, you know, cool. I shout her out. She's, she's incredible we're, too. And, you know, I, I find your yes, people. Yes, I love that. Definitely find your people and find your community because helps in so many areas of life and makes so many situations in life easier and better. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on here after having such long day and doing expenses and invoices and all that fun stuff. Like, bless you (laughs) so much. I would be like, I am dead to the world. I'm going to do a face mask. I'm going (laughs) to catch y'all later. (laughs) I would not have blamed you if you canceled on me. No, I I was in it to win it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and we'll definitely talk to you soon. Well, thank you so much for having me. 